Hi, welcome to CMO Insights podcast series. I'm your host, Jeff Pedowitz, president and CEO of Pedowitz Group. Today as our guest, we have Ted Rogers, who is the chief marketing officer at Digital River. Ted, welcome to the program. Thanks, Jeff. Nice to be here. Great to have you. Uh, before we dive in, maybe tell us a little bit about what Digital River does. Great to be here, as I, as I mentioned. So my name, like I said, Ted Rogers, I'm our chief marketing officer. I've been here for about six years. Digital River uh, really is it helps brands that are seeking to grow internationally and open up new markets. And what we do is we handle all the things behind the scenes, such as international payments, tax, fraud, compliance, and even uh, logistics to help brands be able to open up those new markets and not have to worry about some of those things that are uh, behind the scenes that can be a real challenge for, for them. E-commerce is definitely uh, taking the world by storm. Not only, of course, it's been around for a long time with the consumer, but there's this huge push that started in the pandemic with uh, B2B and it's becoming more prevalent. Are you guys very active there as well? Yeah, we cover both B2B and B2C. We actually talk about it as like the six dimensions of, of e-commerce, uh, B2B, B2C, onshore, so local domestic sales, cross-border, and as well as digital and physical goods or a combination of, of both of those. So it's really probably more than six dimensions if you did the math. <laughs> That's right. a lot of dimensions. So you know, unless we've been living under a rock, which I'm sure somebody has, I mean, AI has been all on the news uh, over, over the last six months. Yeah, as it relates to e-commerce, you know, where do you see it going and, and what kind of, uh, what is Digital River, I guess, dealing with its platform? AI certainly has been everywhere, especially since uh, the rise of the fastest growing app of all time being ChatGPT, right? That was uh, reached, what, 100 million users in about a month. And so when I think about AI and, and where it's probably going to have an impact in e-commerce, I, you know, I don't know how much a consumer really cares when I think about it in that regard, whether or not it's AI or that's involved in their e-commerce experience. What I really think that uh, consumers are looking for is an experience that matches their expectations, right? And so what I mean by that. You know, are you presenting them with the right cultural nuances? Are you, do you have the right payment methods, currencies? But I do think AI can play a very significant role in improving those overall experiences. And what I, what I mean by that is that enhanced personalization. You know, today people have recommendation engines. You, you, you get it all the time, right? People who bought this may also like, well, that was what that other person liked. That doesn't have anything to do with what I might like. So I think AI is going to play uh, a bigger role in in uh, in that kind of things and 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 even such. I was I was playing around with uh, with Chat GPT recently, and I, where a, a place that I could really see this come into play is like in travel, as an example. You know, consumers not know exactly what they're looking for, but they know kind of the the parameters that they care about. So I actually threw in a, a search that said, you know, I'm a family of four, a couple of kids in the 20s. We like to golf, we like to ski, we like mountains, we like beaches. You know all these kind of things, and I don't. I don't want a place that's going to have wild temperature varieties that I'm likely to have colder weather than I want. And I punched all that in, and it recommended, you know, five different places to go. Scottsdale, great, been there, check. We've done that one. Yeah. Scott, you know, San Diego, Vancouver, BC. I would have never put that one on the list. Maui and Queenstown. Those are the kind of ways that I can see this being leveraged in the e-commerce world. You know, just. You know, understand the individual's preferences or what their desires are and be able to return an experience or a recommendation that would meet their meet their needs. If people can figure out how to do that the right way, I think it's going to unlock the potential to take one time customers and make them repeat customers. Maybe I got the prompt wrong. I did the same thing. It told me to go to my local Holiday Inn. So <laughs> maybe, maybe I missed something. <laughs> it uh, maybe maybe that says something about your preferences. I don't know, Jeff. <laughs> that, that, that could be. Well, I, you know, it's interesting that you say consumers 
probably won't care. I, I think we've proven right over the last 15 years, we'll trade privacy for convenience. Yeah. And, and I remember when the smartphone first came out, we, we were all very tentative with it. We weren't going to use it for banking. And then now, of course, even with Venmo, not only do we use it for banking, but we share what we're paying people and what they're paying us. Like, yeah. this is like, like no problem. It's, it's definitely a different time. Yeah, I think that's right. I think it's it's it does come to a comfort level. I, the the news is doing everything they can to make it as scary as possible for people. So you know, if people are paying attention. They're going to be nervous about it. But it all depends upon how a brand's going to use it. You know, brands aren't in the business to try to. You know, I'm certainly not in the business for our brand to do something that's going to harm our reputation. You can't get that back. You have one chance to make an impression on somebody, and after that, it's really hard to recover it if you do it wrong. So I think that's where where it's 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 going to come in. You know, certainly I think consumers will be skeptical on its use, just like you said, like with the with the smartphones in the past. Um, I hadn't thought about the uh, the effect of banking. I, I go right. That's I don't go to a bank. I do everything in that regard. I even know I love the fact I can walk up to, and and you know use my smart watch to pay for my gas. I don't even have to pull a card out anymore. You know, all of that's all that's different. And this will just start to become main, mainstream. Brands are going to have to understand where and how they want to leverage it. You know, but what I worry about is when it, it if there are ways in which brands might, you know, start to use it for things that might be considered more predatory in a way, right? So if you're doing product recommendations, that's that's benign, right? Nobody's nobody's gonna look at that and say, well, how dare you look at that to provide me with a better experience? But if brands start to use it for things like, well, based upon Ted's profile that we can assess through AI, he's he's able to pay more. Or Bob's desperate. Bob, we should charge him more because he's desperate to get this. You know, that that's that's where I think brands could start to get themselves or, in trouble. Hey, you Bill, we have these pictures on you. And <laughs> <laughs> absolute blackmail. Yeah. yeah. There, there's that um, too. But uh, but there are, I mean, despite the worries of AI itself like taking yeah. over the world, there are bad actors out there, right? There are known breaches that we see every day where hackers are getting into what we thought were secure systems. So yeah. as hackers and bad actors get their hands on more and more AI capable tools, should consumers be concerned though about the role that AI would play in e-commerce? What does it make yeah. it safer? Does it make it more dangerous? Is it an ongoing battle? Well, regulation is going to come into play in some form, right? We don't know exactly what form that's going to take yet. I think, you know, with the EU, I, I think it was in Germany specifically was was kind of leading the charge in the EU around uh, regulation. And I think a lot of the, the world is sitting back to, to see what they're going to recommend and follow because they tend to be very conservative on that data protection. GDPR is a perfect example, right? You know, the the data protection rights. Uh, and I think you'll see something similar in, in how AI takes form. But yes, if fraudsters are are smart. I used to run a fraud team. I, I haven't always been a marketing guy. Um, I actually used to sell fraud systems and and have run a fraud team. And and you know, AI and ML are already in place for you know in many ways to be able to help combat those. And before AI really became a thing, it was you know that we've all known about. The fraudsters have already been trying to do it. You could even look at you know the uh, synthetic identities that have been created. That's more or less a, a form of AI in its early stage. What I think would, it, we run the risk of now is they're going to be able to really create uh, synthetic identities that are going to be harder to crack. But the, you know, the companies that that are in this space that this is what they do to to combat that are going to you know are recognizing that and going after it just as hard. 
so we could have a, a period where brands um, and consumers are a bit skeptical, but I would expect technology on the, for the good guys, not just the bad guys, to to keep up with it as well. So, white hat, black hat. Right. Yeah, so exactly. That, yeah, the, the battle. I mean, having things. having been on the other side, I've you know I actually used to run a, a part of a company that uh, actually got attacked by by a fraud ring, and uh, I can tell you for anybody that's out there, if you think something's too good to be true, it probably is. And uh, that that's that's you, you still got to always put that that expertise behind it. You know, you can't just rely upon machines on either side of things. AI is going to be great, but I really think it's going to be hard to replace some of the nuances that uh, still the human mind can use the tools that will be created or, or are being created or have been created to combat these kind of these these kind of actions these kind of risks that are going to be in there right so okay. find i recommend to brands just find a partner that that can help you with that i mean we do that today for brands that's part of the the value of, of digital river and helping brands go global and you, know, you go into a new market you don't even know what to expect it's not even necessarily what the technology is. They they might have different mechanisms or different methodologies that you hadn't seen before in whatever your domestic market is. Going into a new market, find somebody that's been there, done that already, so you don't have to worry about it. So speaking of going to new markets, I mean, I, I guess you can look at this through a couple of lenses. One, you are a commerce platform, so yeah. you're enabling companies to do commerce in multiple regions and theaters around the world. And two, your company's rapidly expanding globally as well. Just as a CMO, share the perspectives from both sides. You know, what are some of the things that you see trying to adapt a ubiquitous commerce model to handle all these different currencies and tax codes, et cetera? And at the same time, what's it like to be you know, a marketing executive with a, a rapidly expanding company also going into some of those markets? Yeah, great, great. So let's let's start with the with the the brands first. And actually it starts with the consumer first. You talk about it being, uh, you know, going into new markets and kind of a ubiquitous approach. Uh, it's actually you want a platform, a solution or a combination of solutions that allow it to seem that way. But yet hyper localization, being able to understand the nuances, understand you know how you get the transaction completed. You know, once you once you drive traffic to your site. But there are a number of steps that, that have to happen on the brand side to be able to make that happen. This isn't field of dreams. You know, it's not if you build it, they will come. You know, you can't just build out a shopping experience and and expect you know new markets just to take off. There's so much more to it. And some of the things that seem real basic when we work with brands as they think about it is one, you know, first of all, it seems really basic is can you actually your product actually be sold in that market? You know, there's so many restrictions at a country level for for products and the materials, you know. What are they made out of? What's what's what are the what are the uh, actual components of it? You have to make sure you understand that. Another piece is you know, think about the compliance side. That's one piece of compliance is can I sell my product? But how do I collect taxes? How do I pay for taxes? It's an important piece. You know, duties as as a product goes cross border. If you're if you're not moving all of your inventory, we're going to handle all of that at once. But you're going to handle it at a parcel level. You have to be make sure you're you're collecting the right taxes and duties and what's the customer experience you want for that do you want them to pay in a cart do you want to pay on delivery and pay on delivery it's a really bad experience uh, i don't know if you've ever had that jeff but where you know um you're, you're getting a product from another country and it comes in and somebody knocks on the door and says you can have your product but you owe me twenty dollars in in duties right. <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i didn't know i was going to do that i mean that that doesn't happen as much in the states but it certainly happens in other countries um, so that's a, that's something that that brands have to be thinking about as they're thinking about international expansion. 
the next one actually ties that next point I would raise ties both for the brands and for Digital River is how do you drive traffic, right? Where do you already have traffic coming from the country of interest um, that's coming to your domestic site? Uh, oftentimes you can look at like a, you know, your companies.com and you see that you're getting traffic from, I'll pick on Germany again as an example, since we already used them. You got traffic coming from Germany. You don't have a German site. You don't have a German experience, but they're coming to your site. Well, that's a pretty good indication that there's something about your brand that's interesting to the Germans, right? And so you can you can build from there. And then it all comes down to not just getting the the transaction done, um, you know, repatriating your funds, getting them back to your your own bank account, paying the taxes, like I talked about, converting currencies. All these are considerations that can seem simple at a glance, but they're they're very challenging. It can be time consuming for a brand that doesn't doesn't understand it. So, for brands that are thinking about that, find partners that can that can help you with that, make that process simple. They can shield you from some of the risks. I mean, that's what we do. We shield people from the risks of on both the financial and legal obligations of, of of making those transactions happen. But it's not just a transaction. You also got to be able to make sure you can get that product to that individual. So do you have the right logistics network, the right uh, way to meet the time constraints of, of the consumer? Are you going to get the product there in a timely fashion that meets their meets their needs? Those are those are important for, for brands as they're thinking about opening new markets. And it's and it's similar for Digital River. Right. Um, so for us as a brand, you know, it was really interesting for me. I've run marketing, obviously, in other companies, but this being much more global by nature, there was a lot to learn about the cultural nuances, both from an internal team perspective, but also our clients. Right. Going around and, and, and seeing clients back pre-COVID when we were all traveling all over the place. Right. Um, how you interact and, and, and how you work with brands trying to grow their business, whether they be in China or they're in in Europe uh, is is very, very different. You have to be able to represent your brand in the way that they want to consume it. You know, it's putting the putting the consumer, whoever your buyer is at the center, is the same whether you're B2B like we're selling or you're B2C like most of our clients are selling. Putting the 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 customer at the middle of it to understand what do they need to know, what do they want to know, and how do they want to receive that information. Is, is an ongoing daily challenge for us and for, for I would say, probably every brand out there. Yeah, I think for a lot of the marketers, we're seeing this big sea change in, in the way people are buying, and especially B2B, you know, where yeah. people do want that direct-to-consumer model. I think if customers had their choice, they wouldn't talk to a salesperson at all, ever. Uh, right. You know, and uh, they can get their information online. They can watch videos. They can go to third-party review sites. They can do calculators and take demos and all that stuff. And of course, they have platforms like yours where they should just be able to check out even if it is a seven-figure type of contract. So yep. knowing that in marketing, then how you know how do we create that direct-to-consumer model in a B2B world when you have multiple decision makers on that buying committee and the, and the process can be complicated? Yeah, the great question about how do you convince the the B two B buyer to be more e commerce centric? I mean, the 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 markets the market actually is driving that. It's dictating that behavior because yep. as you as you mentioned, brands are looking for efficiencies, and we've had a number of companies, number of partners um, that have just said, "Look, I am trying to make sure that we can support really kind of more of that mid market. I think generally your enterprise is we're, it's going to be a hard time to ever get away from enterprise being, especially in the initial sale." Being more of that e-commerce realm, but there are other payment methods and and whatnot like like Trevi Pay. We've in, we've implemented on our 
you know, as one of the payment options that allows those B2B transactions and to be, you know, uh, more of like a, a PO process. Those kind of things help. But, you know, and one of the companies that we were working with have had a mid-market SMB type of sales team. And while they're still leveraging to a certain extent, what they want to do is make that transaction process, make that back office process much more scalable and much more efficient than what it was today. No longer taking orders on a on a, on a sheet of paper and, you know, submitting that by fax. Uh, not that that's been happening a lot, but shifting that more towards that, that e-commerce relationship, that, that ongoing, being able to self-serve brands and people, people that are working at brands are, are consumers every day. So they translate those consumer expectations that they have from their day-to-day purchases into their, their daily work life. And to your point, right? I don't necessarily want to talk to a salesperson every time I want to add a license to something. Let me just go do it myself. Right. I think you'll see more of that. And it's certainly been happening. We're seeing it. We, you know, we've been, we've been signing clients that in exactly in that, that realm. Times are changing. That's the, that's the one constant, right? Yeah. So uh, you are an experienced CMO and and you've been very successful. What advice would you give to some of your fellow marketing leaders out there? Yeah, it's, it's funny. You see CMO. And like I mentioned earlier, I used to run a fraud team. I've had a very different background. If somebody looked me up, and uh, if anybody does want to talk, they can always reach out to me on LinkedIn, and and we can we can chat either about what Digital River does, or if they want rec- you know help on how they're thinking about things, I'm happy to try to help. But I'm a data driven person, and I've and I've done that. I used to build. I used to be a a programmer at one point. I used to build marketing databases, and I've run fraud. I've run collections. I've done some operations. So I'm not your pink versus blue type of CMO. I couldn't care what color something is. I use data first. What I care about is what's going to drive response, what's going to drive engagement, what's going to drive a sale. There's so many ways that data can be used in targeting and decisioning that it can become really honestly overwhelming. Here in my time at Desert River in this role, when I came in, there were a lot of ways that we were really investing in MarTech. And actually, we probably, we overinvested in, in a lot of the MarTech spend that we'd have, such that we were kind of peanut buttering ourselves across too many tools and too many platforms that uh, we weren't making the best use of out of any of them. So. Uh, you know, what I recommend to people is focus on maximizing the value of the tools that you have in front of you or that you believe are going to provide the best value before you add the next one. That's certainly one thing. And we're we're in the process of doing that right now. Um, and it's the same when you think about, you know, ways to, to elevate the brands. Focus matters. You can try to be everything to everyone and you're not going to be anything to anyone. So, you know, focus on the markets that you think you can have the highest right to win in. Obviously, that sounds simple, but it's not as simple as as it sounds. Everybody's like, well, what about there's always the what about, you know, what about, you know, Paraguay? Well, we're not ready for that yet. We're still working on on Germany. We keep picking on the on, on Germans because we have a, a big uh, employee base there. But, you know, it's those kind of things, you know, focus on on the things that are that are that work that you think are going to provide the best value first and then expand from there. And then the the third thing I would I would say to people the way that I approach things is you know thinking about how we make the best of of our investments is I try to surround myself with a, a group of people that have one main characteristic that's initiative. I don't think initiative is something you can teach. I think you either have it or you don't. I think about it a little and I talk to my team about it like the TSA, right? If you see something, say something. Or even better is if you see something, do something. Do something. Please yes. do something. Please. Right. So that that's kind of the way I, I, I you know it's data driven it's it's about focus and it's about just taking action if we can if you can structure your team or 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 think about every opportunity or every engagement you have with those kind of three things in mind 
I think you'll, you'll find success. Well said. Ted, thank you so much for being on the program. I really appreciate your insights. Absolutely. My pleasure, Jeff. Thanks for having me. You got it. We'll see you again soon.